0: That's kind of, so a couple of things I want to make you aware of, and the first one, of course, is Easter. Um, this problem we're having this morning, this is like not Easter, that's coming up so next week, and so we have some extra services scheduled for Easter. The big thing I want you to do, everything's normal on Sunday morning, except for like services are doubling, but like 6.30 Saturday night is a new service, it's the same thing we're going to do Easter Sunday morning, so if you're a free thinker and allowed to celebrate Easter on Saturday night, you know, come on and, uh, and be part of it that and um, that's at 6:30 then Sunday and 8:30 uh, in here and then we're doing 210 I don't know when we're doing them. so uh, there's a bunch of services check it out online that'd be fantastic now a couple things we can offer you one is uh, there are these yard signs um, that are, are available in the lobby and so if you want to grab one to put in your neighbor's yard or yours um, that's fine uh, so there we are unless you're a terrible neighbor then don't don't take a sign but I' um, mean you know for those of you that are good neighbors that'd be fantastic and then uh, we we have these things. You may be sitting on it if you're not familiar. I have really no idea what these are, but they're called a phone wallet. So, uh, I think you throw that part away and then there's a little invite card in the middle and that you can give to a friend and I think that would be awesome and then here's the, I think one of the coolest things is we have this new texting thing so if you want to get out your phone right now you're welcome to do this and you text Easter to that number it's not like we're gonna sell it to Amazon or whatever they already have it <laughs> okay we're not we're not doing that but this is just to get an invite and then you can actually send that text invite to all your friends that's what that's about so if you want to text Easter to those numbers then you get a get a invite for all that. So why are we doing all this? Well, here's the reality. The reality is people are more open to hearing the gospel this time of year, this season, this coming Sunday, than any other time in the year. So if there are people that you have concern for, if there are people that you think, man, Jesus could really change that life, text send the call, make a call, give them a yard sign or invite. Now is the time. It's the time for the people that are part of the movement to invest. And so we're not doing this to be big. That's not what this is about. It's so that the message of Jesus Christ would go into the lives of people that really, really need, uh, need Jesus in their lives. So that's what this is about. Welcome to the auditorium. Welcome to those in the overflow this morning and those watching online. Let's, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your love and for the opportunity to share this with my friends at uh, this moment in time. And Lord, we just ask that you would um, overwhelm us with your presence. Um, you did in the eight thirty service, Lord. This message hit home for so many folks, and so we're open to whatever it is you desire to do. In your name, we pray. Amen. So, if you're not familiar, this is Palm Sunday. Um, what that means is this is a, a, a day that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And, and Jesus ro- rode this donkey, and people laid their cloaks down as a sign of royalty, and the donkey rode across that, and they, and they waved the palm branches. We used to have the kids come in and do that. You're familiar with that experience? And the kids would come in, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and this, for me, is a very confusing event. in in Christian history because there were certainly those in the crowd who had witnessed kind of what Jesus had done all the miracles and heard all of his teachings in fact scripture says the crowd believed Jesus was the prophet and some even believed he was the Messiah can you imagine I mean The, the, the guy that your parents told you about, and their parents told them about, and their parents told them about, like almost like, you know, a thousand years, two thousand years later, there's Jesus. This is the guy. And so they're all filled with this anticipation of the Messiah. And the crowd was honoring Jesus because they believed King Jesus would lead Israel out of Roman oppression. They thought he would be this awesome, powerful leader, and he would lead them into their rightful place as a nation, as powerful political force. The confusing piece of all of this is the same people, the exact same people who are honoring Jesus in this Palm Sunday, are going to be calling for his life on Friday. Just a couple of days later, the same people shouting hosannas are going to shout curses on Friday. The same people throwing their cloaks down are going to throw rocks and insults on Friday. The same people smiling during the parade are actually going to be jeering on Friday. So what what happened? What happened was Jesus didn't meet their expectations. And maybe we would say it this way. People expected Jesus to use his power to rid them of their circumstances, and he didn't. And now, Palm Sunday has all of our attention because we could all tell a story, maybe one we just came through or maybe one we're in right now in which that statement would be true. Let me read it to you again. People expect Jesus to use his power to rid them of their circumstances. And he doesn't. I mean, who hasn't experienced some kind of disappointment with God? Who hasn't prayed for one thing only to receive another? See, God on Palm Sunday is actually ushering in a new kingdom, but it's not the kind everybody was expecting him to do. The people wanted a new ruler for their land, but God was giving the world a new ruler of the heart, you see, People wanted relief from their circumstances, but God was giving his presence through any circumstance. The people wanted this temporary reprieve. God was offering an eternal reprieve. And the people expected one thing from Jesus, but he gave them something else. And I'm betting everybody listening to the sound of my voice knows what that feels like. I don't know if it was a dark night of the soul or maybe I was just slab wore out, but I've recently come through this season where my expectations of God in my circumstances didn't match up to what God was doing in my circumstances. Can anybody relate to that? Say amen if you can. Come on. Ministry is Stressful relationships were stressful, painful. I was dog tired. So a couple weeks ago, Lisa and I were um, planning a trip to Florida to be with our daughter, Sarah, and we were supposed to fly out on Wednesday of that week. So Tuesday night, we're sitting around talking. I said to Lisa, I said, Hun, I think I'm going to drive down to Florida and I'll pick you up at the airport. Say, Tom, that's dumb. That's kind of how I roll. Just get used to it. Okay. That's kind of what I do. So, you know, we got the ticket, cared for whatever. I don't really know what happened to the ticket. But nonetheless, I got in the car or in the truck on Wednesday morning and I just headed south. And so for 10 hours, God and I had this crucial conversation about my expectations of him. I say conversation, it was actually me doing most of the talking initially about how he had let me down and, and what I wanted him to do in my circumstances uh, that were in my life. And Through the process, we went through my life with this fine-tooth comb, if you will. It's a common practice for me. I've done it a few times in my life. If I feel unsettled in my soul, I ask God to pull out all the parts of who I am and examine them to point out anything that may not be pleasing to him. Now, the Bible describes hell as weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know that I was in hell... I think I was in a Ford pickup, but there's a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth going on on that 10-hour drive down to Florida. It wasn't pretty, and I'm not even necessarily recommending it to you. To be honest, I think I'm still sort of recovering from that 10 rounds with God on my way to Florida. For the final two hours, I just shut everything down as far as the radio music and all that, I just turned the phone off, and I just rode in silence. It was kind of like the calm after the storm. I felt exhausted and undone because God and I had conversations about just, just about everything. And most of the conversation is going to remain between me and God. But I would like to share the overwhelming lesson God taught me in the last two hours of that trip, if you would allow me. And the lesson came as a simple question but the simple question had more weight because of my circumstances. And if I tell you the question, I think you'll understand what I mean. Here is the question. Tom, do you trust me? Now listen, I know the right answer. I'm a freaking professional Christian. I got degrees saying I'm a Christian. I get paid for being a Christian, okay? I know Jesus is the answer, and somehow that's the answer to that question. But you know what my answer was? Sort of. Come on, don't leave me up here like I'm alone. Tom, do you trust me? Kind of. Tom, do you, do you trust me? Sometimes. Here's where I think I am. I believe in God's power. I'm just not always confident in how God's going to use his power in my circumstances. Allow me to illustrate this by talking through a common experience we all have uh, of illness or sickness. This is, this is kind of a, to illustrate my point and then we'll wrap it all up. This is a familiar story for most of you. Uh, most believe it happened in Peter's house where Jesus is teaching. And this, this happens... Some men brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Now here's what we know so far. All we know about this dude is his life is defined by his sickness. His identity is his malady. He's a paralytic. That's all we know. We don't know his name. All we know is his circumstances. And all of our attention... Is drawn to the sickness. His friends brought him to Jesus. Jesus looks down at him. Jesus doesn't see his sickness. The man's physical problem actually draws Jesus' attention to the man's spiritual problem. Now, this is difficult to understand unless you see life as Jesus sees life. And you don't, respectfully. And neither do I. We do not naturally see life as Jesus sees life. What we see is our overwhelming, burdensome circumstances. It's the same for me, for you, whether you've had your diagnosis, whether you're in between diagnosis, or someone you love is in a diagnosis. It's the same for any of us in a relational crisis, or fighting an emotional battle, or fighting an addiction, or working through grief. The battle becomes the focus. The illness or the relationship trial or the addiction or the grief or the loss becomes the lens through which all of life filters. But that's not true for Jesus. The man's physical problem, while it is terrible, is actually temporary in Jesus' perspective. The man's spiritual problem was eternal. And Jesus sees all things through this eternal lens. And if sin's not remedied, then the paralyzed man is eternally separated from God. And that has Jesus' laser-like focus. And while this is Jesus' perspective, it's not the perspective of anybody else in the story. So the whole crowd watches as the paralyzed man is brought in and placed before Jesus. And can you imagine the air that went out of the room when Jesus looked at the man and said, Son... Everybody's expecting it, but it's not what Jesus is going to do. Your sins are forgiven. And someone in the back said, well, dang it. (laughs) That wasn't where we thought this was going to go. Imagine how disappointed everybody was in the room. Imagine how disappointed you would be. I would be. Sins are forgiven. The dude can't walk. Walk. What good is that? We really don't know what everybody was thinking in the room except the religious people. Here's what the religious people said. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fella is blaspheming and they are 100% right. They're exactly right. If Jesus is saying he can forgive sin, that's the most important thing being said in the room because what Jesus is actually saying is he's God. They were thinking, Jesus is nuts. Jesus can always read the hearts of people, so he asked them, which would you say is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? It's a rhetorical question with an obvious answer. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven Because there's no verifiable evidence that they are. I can say that all day long and you don't know if I'm right or wrong. Don't miss what happens next. But so that you may know. That statement, that little clause is why everything that happens next happens. The reason... Everything that happens next is getting ready to happen. is so that you will know Jesus can forgive sin. Do you understand? But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin, he turns to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, the gauntlet's been thrown down. And everybody's waiting to actually see what happens. Either the dude walks or he doesn't. Either Jesus' credibility is held up or it's not. Jesus is using his power for a spiritual purpose. Jesus is offering physical healing as proof of the man's spiritual healing. Jesus is healing so people will know he's God. The man's sins were already forgiven, whether he was physically healed or not, but so that everybody else would know, this happened. The man got up and went home, walked home, skipped, ran, moonwalk I don't know. The man was walking. Can you imagine? He goes home. With the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to men. Matt talked a few weeks ago about the fact that God has power over wind and waves and that's terrifying. Scripture tells us that God has power over demons and, and, and the devil and tells them what they can and cannot do. That's terrifying. But the fact that God has the ability to heal nerve endings and broken bones... That's amazing. That fills people with awe. So I was thinking about this. I wonder when the crowd went home and they ordered the Domino's pizza for Sunday dinner. You thought it was just you, right? (laughs) I wonder what they told their friends and family. Or or, or I wonder what the Gazette, I'm assuming that's still a name for a newspaper, I wonder what the Gazette headline the next day was. Local carpenter heals paralyzed man. Or Jesus of Nazareth forgives sin. Or... Let's say Twitter was there because it was after the fall, so it very possibly could still be there. And let's see what was, what was trending on Twitter. And by the way, that's not a number sign anymore, that's a hashtag. So, hashtag. <laughs> Tickle myself. Okay. <laughs> hashtag Jesus heals or hashtag Jesus forgives. What would people make famous? What would you have done? Because I know what I would have done. least you should have been there. The dude couldn't walk and he went out dancing. What did Jesus say? I have no idea. The dude couldn't walk and he went out dancing. What was the dude's name? I have no idea. The dude couldn't walk and he went out dancing. See, we would have all focused on the physical healing. Why? Because we celebrate when undesirable circumstances are lifted. And we post it on social media and we send it out to the prayer chain and we get a new tattoo to remind us of that day. Why? Everybody loves when God uses his power as we desire for him to do when he makes our circumstances better. Everybody's into that. I am sure the man who was healed appreciated his physical healing, spent the rest of his days walking on limbs that didn't work. I'm sure he valued his healing above all things until the day he died. And the day he died... Because he's not still walking around somewhere. Someday he got sick and died. But on the day he died, it became clear what was the most significant miracle on that day. It wasn't his physical healing. It was spiritual forgiveness of sin. And now there were no eternal consequences just eternal reward. We have this enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will leverage, listen, he will leverage the presence of your sickness, your relational trial, your depression, your loss, your discouragement, your grief, your loneliness to distract you from a much bigger problem Namely, the condition of your heart. Our biggest problem in this world is not the presence of pain. It's the presence of sin in us. That's the problem. We not only have a thief who comes to steal, kill, we also have a savior And our Savior will leverage the presence of your sickness, your relational trial, your depression, your difficulty at work, your loss, your discouragement, your loneliness, your grief, and your pain. So we will receive him as our Savior and Lord. What that means, dear friends, is the very circumstance you are burdened by in this moment the very situation you have been asking God to remove may be the means by which he will establish lordship in, a, in your life in an area that you have shut him out of, or the means by which he will become your savior. Y'all you remember the story of Nicodemus in John? It, it, it's the same chapter with the most famous verse, that John 3.16 verse. There's this obscure reference before we get to that Hall of Fame verse that I just want to call your attention to because it's, it's so random. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus who came at night to try to learn who Jesus was and what it means to be born again. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is referencing an event recorded in the book of Numbers. I'm sure you know this because I'm sure you read Numbers this morning before you came to church. But The nation of Israel was miraculously delivered out of Egypt. I mean, the whole plagues and then like the the dry ground and the Red Sea thing and then they didn't have any food and manna comes and then they didn't have any water and water comes out of a rock and miracle after miracle after miracle happened. And yet the people of Israel were not defined by overwhelming joy. They weren't defined by overwhelming thanksgiving. They were defined by their lack of gratitude and grumbling. And so God, in this story in Numbers, was fed up. All y'all doing is complaining. And this happened. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Where is this worship song? I mean, would that not be an awesome song? <laughs> I'd start to write it, but it wouldn't be pretty. But I mean, this, can you imagine? Somebody make a list, because this is one that needs to have a song. And Okay, <laughs> sent the venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people. That could be our chorus. They bit the people. They bit the people. Okay, they bit the people, and the Israelites died. Many Israelites died, and the people came to Moses and said, we sinned while shaking a snake off their foot. We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord will take Take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Look what the Lord did. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. If this wasn't the Lord, we would all say, That's a dumb idea. Make a snake, put it on the pole. Anybody who's bitten... Can look at it and live. Or you could just get rid of the snakes. I mean, I know you're God. Okay, pole it is. So Moses made a bronze snake, he put it on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake, he looked at the bronze snake and lived. Let's stand for closing prayer. I got no idea. This is the story Jesus is referencing when he's talking to Nicodemus. Notice, nowhere does it say the snakes or the circumstances were removed. It just says the people had a way to be healed. Does that sound familiar to you? Ironically, the way for the people to be healed was to focus their attention on the source of suffering, the bronze snake. But really, what was the source of their suffering? Was it really as simple as the snakes? I mean, move. Was the man's real source of his suffering paralysis? Is the real source of your suffering the diagnosis or the trial or the relationship or the addiction or the mental illness or the habit because my suggestion is the real source of our suffering is actually none of these things. The source of our suffering, their source of the suffering, is the same as our source of suffering, and that is our lack of trust in God. That, my dear friend, is your greatest point of suffering. You simply stop trusting God. The people had to look at the embodiment of their suffering, the snake on the pole, to be healed. And that leads us all the way back to Palm Sunday. This same group of worshipers lining the path of Jesus, crying Hosanna, We'll see him hanging on a cross this week. What put him there? Well, my sin, respectfully, your sin. My shame and respectfully yours. And My lack of trust and respectfully yours. Trust that Jesus is who he said he was. And that led to Jesus being nailed to a cross and lifted up. Not a bronze snake this time, but the Son of God. And that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man, you see, must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Why would a man go through that, Nicodemus asks? Why would the Son of Man be lifted up, die on a cross? For God, read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Come on, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the circumstances may or may not be removed but your sins will be forgiven. See, God's desire is for all of us to be healthy and whole. And that will happen in heaven. Not here. There are a lot of snake oil salesmen telling you that will happen here. It's not true. Sometimes he heals temporarily. But what we don't have to be confused about it's when we look to the cross and see the lengths that Jesus went through for us to be whole. Like the children of Israel who looked to a snake on a pole. In the midst of our suffering, we can look to the empty cross and believe and trust. We can remember or claim that surely a father who sends his one and only son to be sacrificed for my sinful circumstances can be trusted above all. We can remember that it may hurt today, it may be scary today. It may seem hopeless today. It may seem overwhelming today. It may even seem dark today. It may seem defeating today. It may, but it is just for a day. And the promise we can trust is God reigns on his throne and the cross is as empty as the tomb. We may not hear pick up your mat and walk in this life, but we all can hear your sins are forgiven and you can trust me. See, look at the empty cross. Ah, maybe I could share one more part of my truck ride to Florida. I don't want to share it. It's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, bless you. Toward the end of that trip, I did something that I often practice in my life, but I usually don't tell anybody. Until this moment, (laughs) I do it especially when I'm overwhelmed. Um, I don't know when life is heavy, when the burdens of leaderships too great, or caring something for my family and whatever. When discouragement is heavy or more, and I have this simple practice, (laughs) Um, I just kind of, I just. I speak the name of Jesus over it. I don't know. I don't know if y'all think Tom's lost his mind, um, but that's what I do. And I um, I, I think like the says in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit interprets with groanings and utterings, and um, that's kind of what I I do. And so I did that for the last hour of my trip. Everything God brought forward, I spoke the name of Jesus over it. It's like I was driving. And if you've ever been to Florida, you know I wasn't seeing anything. <laughs> and just trying. And he brought those things that we'd been discussing for the last nine hours. And he put them right in front of me in front of the windshield. And I just, I just speak Jesus over it things I couldn't fix, circumstances I can't resolve. I'd speak Jesus over it. Why? Because Jesus is healing. Jesus is power. Jesus is life. And his name has the power to break every stronghold. And Jesus is a name I can trust. And so I speak Jesus over it. Hey, maybe God is calling you to speak Jesus over your circumstance right now. Whatever it is, just bring it to the front and speak Jesus over it. Healing, a name you can trust, and power, speak Jesus over it. Let Jesus do what Jesus does, and you keep your eye on an empty cross. There's power there. And so, Lord, I offer you these beautiful people in this tender moment. I ask you, Lord, to receive the prayers of your people as they speak the name of Jesus over what they've come in here with uncertainty about a future. Lost, fatigue, fear. Some of you it's grief. Speak the name of Jesus over it. It hurts, but you're not alone. Some of you it's a loved one. When you know you're struggling, speak the name of Jesus over. Maybe it's a hospital room. Right now, speak the name of Jesus over it. He has the power to heal, forgive. And you join me and you keep your eyes on that empty cross because there's power there. There's power there. There's power in the name of Jesus.